0: Good day, and welcome to Circle Forward, conversations and stories about restorative practices in schools. Today, we talk about whole school approaches, which includes every adult in the building, and we discuss the importance of working with parents in restorative ways. Our website is circleforward.ca, or follow us on Instagram at circle.forward. And here are your hosts, Shelley, Steve, and me, Stan. So good to see both of you again. How are you doing? Oh, we're that's doing great.
1: well.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Well, listen to this—a choir of greatness over oh, here. I know
2: it was almost <laughs> harmonious.
0: <laughs> so um, we won. thats great, and uh, and it is harmony, right? That we're after here. It is. So a question that I want to start off with has to do with whole schools, like we've talked about, and I'm sure you've had conversations in your respective school boards too about how can a whole school take on something? Uh, what what actually is a whole school approach, and why would you want to do something like that in terms of restorative practice?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question because, and it's not an easy answer for sure. But the the idea of making change anywhere, the more people that are along for the the ride or the understanding and working towards that common goal, we know we're going to see a bigger change. What I found in schools, um, we have to be really clear when we're saying whole school approach or whole school change that means every adult in the building and that means your teaching staff your administration your custodial staff your secretarial staff your EAs any adult in the building needs to understand what the change is about how they can be part of that change
0: that's a pretty tall order I mean it is. are we going to get the custodians? to go to restorative practice workshops, school secretaries, what what are you talking about here?
1: Well, I, you know, it, you're right. So they might say, well, I can't see myself there. Why would I be there? They're not often invited to group trainings the same way, uh, you know, they have their trainings, but not as a whole school. So it does take the explanation of where they fit into that whole school change and what it's all about and making them feel part of that process. And not less than because they're not this profession or that profession.
2: Yeah, and, and you're with with secretaries, caretakers, and others, um you're right. They don't see that they're part of discipline. They don't see them. I'm not part of the discipline. Principal right. does discipline, teachers do discipline, but they need to understand that restorative is more than just the discipline side, it's more than that reactive side, it's the proactive side that we've talked about quite a bit. And it's all about how you talk to kids and how you approach them in the hallways. And, you know, the number of times I've seen caretakers, you know, something's happened and the caretaker said, why did you do that? As opposed to tell me what happened here because there's a big puddle of water on the floor. You know, if we could just get them to understand that the way they speak to kids is the way that the teachers speak to the kids and then we want that consistency. You know, ultimately you want everyone dealing with children in a consistent manner, how they speak to them, how they um, deal with them, if there's problems, whether it's a disciplinary issue or not, it, the consistency is, would be a fantastic thing. I don't know that you could ever find a school where everybody was exactly the same and how they approach, because we're also dealing with personalities of adults. And you know, younger teachers versus older teachers, and what, the way they've been brought up to work with kids. Primary teachers versus intermediate versus high school teachers. It's a different approach in how we speak to children and how we speak to students. But you certainly try to work their way that that way. I mean, you know, just because it's you're never going to have a hundred percent doesn't mean you don't try. You, know, you just keep starting and you just keep plugging away at it.
0: One school that I worked with as a behavior consultant, one of the highest needs students in the school had A real connection with the custodian, and his ultimate reward was to push a broom with the custodian at break time. He loved doing the garbages, and so we kind of had a twofer going there in the sense that we got the garb. well, it was actually two for plus one. We had the garbages cleaned, uh, emptied out, we got the the. F- floor cleaned and this young man was occupied in a way that he did not bully and was not bullied by others so he was not causing harm to anyone and it was just an amazing situation to to walk into the school once everybody had kind of figured out oh that's a key relationship for this young man it was phenomenal to see some of the changes and it was because of the custodian
2: and, and it's the same with the, the office right. the secretarial help that, as well
1: yes they're the they're the first voices and the first you know, contact that often parents have uh, with school as well. I think people, everybody needs to see where they would fit in and that they're of value. And you sometimes have to give those exact examples that you just shared, Stan, of the importance of the role that custodian is playing in that child's life and what the differences are that he's made to that student. And they're like, oh, okay, I do do that. I can have a role within this whole school change otherwise they you know they might be somewhat intimidated to be part of that I'm not that important this is all I do in the school well no you do a whole lot more in this
2: there's another group that um, you know. anytime I've got into a school and then tried to put a restorative uh, approach into the whole school um, the other group that we sometimes forget about are the parents in our community because they can be our they can be our biggest supporters are, or our are worst roadblocks. It all depends on how you work with them too because you're working with their children. They want to know what's going on and how things are going to be work, dealt with when their children are involved. And so if you can work with them as well and explain to them what is restorative and involve them in some of the workshops, they're more likely to support you in the public public eye. And of course, nowadays with social media, just about every school probably has a a Facebook page that's run by a group of parents. And it's not anything that's official by the school board. It's the unofficial school Facebook page. And if parents are saying positive things on that, that's a great, a great boost to your whole school change. If they're saying negative things on that, now you're, you're having to deal with that all the time. So I always say to teachers, you know, the parents are going to talk about you no matter what, make sure they have something nice to say.
1: Okay. I'd love to share a story about uh, how we uh, shared with parents of a, a school that was moving towards whole school change. And the school did a beautiful job of it. They had an evening where the parents were coming to learn about restorative practices. What was this all about? But then at the same time, they put on a movie night for the kids so that and had popcorn. So their, their children were taken care of. And we had one of the highest turnouts, and it wasn't just moms. It was a real mix. Um, when I say highest turnouts, we had, you know, about 25 parents, and this is a rural school. So that was a good turnout for a kind of a parent night. And we sat them in the circle. And they, they were expecting to come and just listen to, uh, you know, some kind of person speaking and telling them about this. But we sat them in a circle, had them experience what their children were experiencing in classroom circles talked about the restorative questions, and at the end of it, asked them to reflect on what they had, you know, taken away from the last hour. And it was fascinating. Yes, they had learned about what the school was doing, but for many of them, it was, oh, I'm going to ask my kids different questions now. When I parent them, I had no idea. And they all the lessons they learned within that hour, but now they understood what their administrator was doing. They understood what the teachers were doing in the classroom, and they could be a, a much bigger support to them directly, but also, as you said, speaking to others in the community so they can help other parents understand. It was a very successful evening. And actually they asked for another night to to dig in a little further into restorative practices.
0: It's interesting because I was talking with somebody from another school board who was the, he was involved with safe schools as I was at the time. And he looked at me and he went, oh, you're the guy who's changed my family. I said, what? He said, You're the guy who's changed my family with those restorative questions. I've got that restorative question card on the fridge and my kids came back from school telling me about these questions. And now those are the questions that we use all the time at home. So you've, you changed my family because of the questions, which I thought was quite interesting. And how uh, good to hear actually. And
2: how often have we heard when we do our workshops with teachers, because a lot of the teachers are also parents they say, Do you know what? I think I can go home and use this with my own family. And so they see it. It's all about parenting. We're as we may be teachers, and we have a, we have a, a curriculum that we have to get by, but we're basically parenting kids. How you relate to kids is the same way as their own parents relate to them. They want to be treated by, you know, a fair and just and kind adult. And that's really what we're doing. that's why I think so many people see this as a parenting piece. It's, you know, how we talk to kids.
0: I've described uh, how we would sometimes have family meetings. We have four kids. They're all adults now. The meeting was run in a way that was inappropriate. And it started off like this. Kids, with me saying. Kids. We need to sit down and talk about this. We are not your servants. You need to pick up your dishes after supper and put them on the counter. Now, mom, do you have anything you want to say? Yes, I'm not your servant either. You put those dishes on the counter. (laughs) And then I would say, very restorative. No, it wasn't restoratively at the time. It was just kind of like, does anybody care of anything to say? And if they were smart, they would say nothing and just take care of the dishes, right? So,
1: and did the behavior that, change?
0: <laughs> for the day. It just <laughs> for the day, right? It didn't it wasn't long-term change. But what I had to learn to do is to first of all change the tone of how I asked questions and set it up so that we could actually hear what the kids had to say and what we had to con- what, what I had to watch for myself was that I didn't talk too much because That's what I do for a living. I talk for a living, so I'm very good at it. And I had to actually slow myself down so that I could hear what they had to say. And those conversations were much more uh, helpful and much more productive in terms of actually getting somewhere. So for parents, that ended up being just using the restorative questions for format of a meeting. So for example, about cleaning up the dishes, the question to start off with is, so what's happening with cleaning up the dishes after supper? What do you think about that? How does that affect you and others here in the family? And what do you think we should do about fixing it? And now we've got a bit of a process for a meeting and and do a genuine go around on those. And we're sitting around a table anyway. So let's just go around and take turns and no interrupting and so on, that kind of thing, until you kind of get the hang of being able to do that.
1: Right. And be patient with them when they're looking with open mouths that you asking a question like that, because that's not the way you've done things before. I learned. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, so much of parenting is learning trial by fire. I mean, you know, a, a lot of people don't, they don't run out and buy all the parenting books. They just say, you know what, I know how I was raised and that's how I'm raising my kids. But it's, we all know, we're all, we're all parents. We know it's a very complex thing, but you know, so much of restorative practice comes out of parenting models. And we found that out in the research. So it, it, there's, there's not a lot of difference some days when, when a kid's in your face and they're driving you crazy. It could be your kids at school, or your kids at home. And if they're leaving the dishes on the counter, or they're not cleaning the paintbrushes at school, we got to figure out who, how this is going to all get fixed. right?
0: Now, just to get back to the, you know, the original question too about whole school, what kind of difference would you see coming into a school that was restorative and maybe one that wasn't restorative? What kinds of things would you see in each of those that would, because both of you have been in a lot of schools and I have as well, You can pick up on those kinds of things, What kinds of things would you see or hear or feel walking into a school that really had that whole school approach?
1: The conversations are very different. They, you know, there's still kids getting into some difficulties. There's still conversations to be had. There's still problems on the playground, but the conversations are different and how those are managed. That would be the biggest piece for me to notice. And as kids get used to using the format, the questions, how independent they can become using them. And at times asking for that, if it's something they can't manage themselves, asking for a circle or asking for an adult to support them with that. So that would probably be the biggest glaring piece for me.
2: I, I have a story about that. Um, years ago when I was I was sent, I was, I'll say I was sent to a school. I was asked to go to a school by a superintendent um, that was a challenging school with a lot of discipline problems. And so he was quite familiar with the school. And so I'd been there a number of years and, and, you know, installing a school-wide approach with restorative practice as its base and doing all that hard work. And so he came back, um, he had sort of gone a different route in in the superintendency role and then came back sort of full circle. So this is about three years later, he happened to come into that same school and we were walking around the school and he, you know, the halls were quiet. There was nobody running in the halls. There was no kids yelling. There's no kids being sent out in the hall because by teachers. And he kind of said, well, is there is there a lot of field trips today? Is there an assembly going on? Where is everybody? And I said, well, they're all in class. And he, he was dumbfounded. He, and so we went and we looked in a number of classes and there was learning going on. Now, it's not perfect. We know that. But he said, you know what? There's just a whole different feel to this school walking into this building. He said, the last time I was here was, you know, three or four years ago. He said, these halls would be filled with kids and they'd be on their way to the office or coming back from the office or sitting in the hallway doing work and or whatever. He said, it's a whole different feel. He said, you don't even, it's not like the same school at all. And I, you know, obviously I took that as a great compliment, but I said, that's the whole idea. It's taken us three years to get to this point. And I said, we're still not done. We still have a lot of work to do. But I said that's the difference, and he was quite a quite a, a setback because of that that difference. I said, come back tomorrow; it could be totally different. We could have kids running the halls. Thank goodness you came today. But, you know, I think that's to your point about that. What does it sound like and feel like? Over time, like it's sort of it's sort of the frog in the in the the water that's heating up. We don't notice it day to day. But he came in three years later and I said, "Holy cow, what a difference!" To us, we were just having a quiet morning. Because we knew that once recess was done and lunch was done we'd probably be dealing with things so
0: yeah, one of the things that i notice coming into schools is how you're received into the building by the administrative assistant or the person who's answering the phone even just answering the phone like yes. is that is that a welcoming way to answer the phone is that a, a tone or words that make you want to be there and if, if I feel that as a, as a teacher or as a consultant coming into a school, how much more do parents feel that, either positively or negatively, and how much more do kids feel that? I mean, you know, imagine the difference between a comment that says, hey, good to see you. I know you're late, we're glad that you're here kind of thing versus where have you been? You've missed two days in a row. You know, that kind of attitude shift. And sometimes because of the workload and because of the pressures that everybody experiences day to day in school and and schools are busy busy places we often don't take the time for those person to person kinds of contacts and connections and we often find that people who are the front lines are just overwhelmed and overworked with all of the questions and and things that are coming to them so i think how welcoming it is how people are treated and how how students are treated the one school i was working with it's a k to K-6 to school, the highest need behavior student, whenever he would come into the office, he would kind of yell out, ask me the questions, ask me the questions, because he knew that if he got into the office because of something that went on, if he got asked the restorative questions, he would get a chance to have his say. And so that just became standard that he would be asked again, you know, to a, a point made before, as long as you're consistent, right? And what this behavior student needed was consistency. Every time something happens, he needs to know some adult is gonna ask him these questions so that we can understand things from his perspective and help him, that's our, our role, help him navigate and learn from something that's not math or science, but the social navigation of things in the school building as well. We want to move to have your say. So Steve, you have a scenario for us. I and, do, and Shelly. you can have your say, and I can have my say, and Okay, you can have a say. How about that?
2: So my scenario is actually, it's a collection of scenarios, and I use them a lot when, when working with staff, teachers or any staff, and I use them a lot at staff meetings, and I would throw these out as a, you know, a 10 or 15 minute discussion time when we're trying to talk about how we deal with discipline. Because we know that a lot of teachers are all different, and especially when I'm in the context of whole school change, when you're coming new to a school, it gives me a te- a, an idea of how people deal with some of these issues in classrooms. So these are actual scenarios that happened in classrooms and I've, I've captured them all and then I would use them as a training piece if you want to call it that. So here's one that you know I'd be interested to find out how you would manage this issue should it happen, ever arise to you as a teacher. So a student's chasing another student around the classroom and they're playing and they're not angry with each other. However, the teacher asks them to stop but they continue. The teacher again repeats the instruction to stop, and they and then intentionally steps in the path of one of the students being chased to get them to stop. And the student runs into her, and in doing so, bumps her into her, and knocks her down, or knocks her into her desk. Discuss.
1: <laughs> well, Kelly. We yeah. Go yeah. Ahead, yeah go ahead. I was just saying, we we. I mean, the, this is where restorative practices can help around um, taking the feeling things that are a personal attack on you because this is what really needs to happen in this situation i don't know anything about the teacher i don't know how she functions in the classroom but it would be very easy to feel that that was done intentionally and particularly if you got physically hurt in some way you know that would up that up to to feel that that was intentional the student should have stopped rather than running into me but by asking the restorative questions about what happened then you're going to be able to hear the perspective a little more. And then I would be able to step back and hopefully not take things as, but now it wasn't necessarily a personal attack on me. So I'd start there.
0: And I think it's, it really offers an opportunity to repair the harm as well. The presenting issue, presenting harm. And what often happens in restorative conversations is that the issue that's the presenting issue is actually not the only one. And it's not, often the most important one. So it may lead to a discussion around what was going on with these two students chasing each other in the classroom, talking to them, asking them the same kinds of questions. And while we may be inclined to right away rush to a judgment, uh, no running in school, you ran in school, so here's the consequence. The thing that I would hope for whoever is doing a bit of the investigation that goes with this is that you would approach it with an open mind and Shelly you often talk about having an attitude of curiosity i think that attitude of curiosity would be really helpful here to look at things in a way that that says things may be different than they appear to me and i need to be open to hear what those things are because what i'm presented with is a teacher has been injured and there's no question that that's unacceptable and that needs to be addressed and we need to talk about all of the other things that are going on around
2: that yeah there's a couple layers to that that uh scenario it's you know the kids running around the classroom and and the teachers ask them to stop and they're not listening to the teacher had the teacher not been knocked down or bumped into the approach for the teacher would have been wholly quite a bit different the fact that she was knocked down you know i'm I would assume the rest of the class is probably watching all this. And so the rest of the class has now been affected too. And we can't forget that they're part of this. They're watching this. They're seeing kids running around and not behaving. Now they see their teacher get knocked down. So there's going to be thoughts. They're going to have thoughts and feelings about it as well. You're right, Stan. There's an investigation that has to take place either by someone outside, probably an administrator, but ultimately it's a, it's a problem within the classroom that of the, those kids running around and the teacher getting hurt how are we going to solve that? I mean, depending on how much the teacher gets hurt, it could be, there could be further repercussions. And we know that with, you know, unions and so on and so forth, it could be dealt with in that manner too. But ultimately this is two kids who weren't listening to their teacher. How does the teacher feel about that? How does, how does she convey those feelings to those kids? And how does the rest of the class convey how it's affected them watching their teacher get knocked down? So there's a, there's a definitely a, a restorative element that can take place in this scenario at some point in time. But certainly there may be other ways, things that have to happen too. when you get a teacher or anybody that gets injured or hurt while they're doing their job.
1: Right. So their community was impacted the classroom right. as a community. yeah, And that's what needs to be addressed. Right. So right. Are the kids feeling unsafe now, are they worried about their teacher? Although those things will come out in a restorative conversation. Absolutely.
2: You know what, even if, um, And I've had this happen where people, staff, principal, or teachers and child and youth workers will get hurt working with children who have known triggers and have, we all know it. And yet sometimes they, you know, in the the heat of the moment, they'll be in working with a child, they'll get hurt. Uh, They'll get bitten. We've had teachers that have been off for months with infections because they got bitten by a student and everybody knows the kid will bite, but you know, it's, they hadn't bitten anybody for six months. You kind of lose. You reach over to grab their pencil, and all of a sudden, the kid bites your arm. You know those things have happened in the past, and ultimately, you can say, "Well, that's on you. You should have known." But by the same token, you have a little bit of empathy for the person who's been injured. But in for a lot of cases, um, you know, if the teacher's off for a significant portion of time, the class has now have been really affected by what's happened, and there may be there may be a need to repair some harm by somebody else in that classroom saying. This is what's going on. You know, your teacher's off because of the situation that happened. How do we all feel about this without focusing blame on the one kid who may have been the one who knocked them down because it was probably an accident in this, in this situation, it certainly was an accident, but the teacher could have prevented that by just not stepping in the way too.
1: I want to put a a little twist on this one. So, you know, the teacher gets knocked down, but she understands that her actions caused this to happen as a domino. So it's very easy to say, I take responsibility, it's okay, the kids have no responsibility here as far as me getting hurt. But by doing that and not giving them the opportunity to understand how their actions impacted others, as well as an opportunity to say, I am so sorry, and to learn from their actions, Mm we're Mm -hmm. actually taking away from them as well. So, you know, it's very easy sometimes to say, Oh, I get it. It's mine. I shouldn't have done that. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't give the opportunity for the conversation to still happen. Absolutely,
2: Um, And it's 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 that what I mentioned before, it's both people are responsible. There's a responsibility on both sides. It's not all one or all the other. It's not all the teacher's fault and it's not all the kid's fault. You both have, have some shared responsibility in this and you both have to, you know, realize that and take you know i'll apologize for for getting myself knocked down i shouldn't have stepped in your way it's my fault but you're right those kids need a chance to understand that what they were doing ultimately caused that to happen as well
1: on to that piece i just you know we often like we think we're protecting them um by not having them have to say sorry or you know but give them that opportunity to, to know that the teacher's not angry with them, that there's not further repercussions, because they can also sit and carry that as well.
0: It's very, very hard for us as adults to accept responsibility for some of the behaviors that we're seeing when what we've done may have been a big factor or even a trigger in terms of some of the communication that the child has been doing like the running around the classroom is communicating something so what's the thing that's being communicated and and how should we interpret that
1: and that's why we need to understand what's happening
0: thanks for listening be sure to subscribe and please take a moment to give us a review on apple podcast podbean stitcher castbox or wherever you're listening and give us a rating hint we like fives and fours have a story or a scenario for us to talk about Drop us an email to stan at restorative.ca. Follow us on Instagram, circle.forward, and let's keep the conversation going.